0: Straight ahead on this June 2020 edition of On S.I. Widespread anger over the death of a black man in police custody in Minnesota has many Staten Islanders speaking out once again on the need for change. Why some feel hopeful, there may be a new path forward. While COVID-19 continues to lay waste to planned gatherings, sporting events and fundraisers, Virtual events are up and running and keeping locals connected. And what's going on with the island's real estate market? The pandemic has many remembering what makes the forgotten borough's neighborhoods stand out in the Big Apple. Hello everyone, I'm your host, Patty Murphy, and this is On SI. We are a new, independent voice for Staten Island, and we thank you for listening to our podcast And for reading our stories online at onsi.nyc we begin with local reaction to the death of george floyd in minnesota a black man who reportedly gasped for air and pleaded for his life while his neck was constrained by a white police officer during an arrest the case has many activists drawing comparisons to eric garner's 2014 death in tompkinsville where a police officer put garner in a fatal chokehold Honest Eyes, Joe Malvasio has more.
1: As a lifelong Staten Islander who says she's experienced racism firsthand in her own hometown, Tanisha Smith-Franks, a notable activist and educator on the North Shore, says it was both painful and infuriating to watch the news out of Minnesota.
2: Because we've seen it before. Eric Garner. We've seen it before. We've seen it always. It's like it keeps happening.
1: But she says something struck her as different after George Floyd's death that she says makes her hopeful for the future. She says young people swiftly stood up and made their voices heard in a variety of ways, including her own 19-year-old daughter, who joined a number of Black Lives Matter
2: protests. They're the ones that pump life back into the civil rights movement. And I am more than happy to move aside and, and let these young people do this
1: work. And she says there finally appears to be a growing consensus that everyone has a role to play to make the nation a better and more just place for black Americans.
2: Do we want in 20 years to be having the same conversations? And if the answer is no, then we all need to take a step back and do the work.
1: With a background in education, she points to the complicated history of race and police relations in the country. She urges people to arm themselves with knowledge and to keep an open mind.
2: Analyze the lived experience of different populations. You you have to be analytical and you have to have a critical mindset and you have to ask yourself, Why is this happening in one place and it's not happening in another? What is the historical context? And then what do we do to dismantle the system that put this in place?
0: COVID-19 triggered a tsunami-like wave of cancellations and event postponements, which started in March with what would have been the city's 259th annual St. Patrick's Day parade. As weeks passed by, events small and large on Staten Island haven't been held, Most recently it was announced that the 50th running of the New York City Marathon, scheduled for November 1st, won't draw thousands of runners to Fort Wadsworth for the start of the race. For many in the running community on Staten Island, the marathon is just the tip of the iceberg as 5Ks and other neighborhood runs that usually raise money for local causes can't happen. I recently spoke to Jeff Benjamin, board chair of the Staten Island Running Association. He and his group have found success with hosting virtual runs and tapping into the resiliency of athletes. So Jeff, it's really great to be able to catch up with you today.
3: Yeah, you too. You too. Thanks for having me. Very, uh, very thrilled to be here.
0: Jeff, when it comes to running, overcoming adversity is an integral part of the sport. So I'm interested to know, how did the Staten Island running community respond to the coronavirus outbreak?
3: We are living without a doubt in extraordinary times. You know, the unfortunate news, you know, for the running community is that all the local events have pretty much been canceled, you know, for safety reasons, which is totally understandable. You know, the fact is, is that a lot of the races on Staten Island, um, money that's raised from them tends to go to um, charities, uh, frontline kind of things, scholarships and everything. You know, Staten Island Running Association, where Mike Schnall and I, we put together that Memorial Day virtual run. We raised money for seven groups that are uh, very involved with the fight on Corona, and we we did very well. We had over 400 people enter, literally from all over the world. So we did very very well. We're very happy with that. The idea of a virtual run is uh, it's very basic. You send in an entry fee, and it could be anywhere from 10 bucks to 100 bucks, maybe more. That event will send you in the mail. You know, depending on the event, uh, usually they'll send you a shirt a bib number, a participation race number, and a medal or some kind of award. And then either the day of the event is scheduled on the internet and sometimes they give you like a three to five day spaced out time to get it. You complete the distance, whether you do it walking in your house, treadmill, running on the trails, running in the woods, doing a workout or what have you. And then it's the honor system where you send in your results to the uh, virtual people. But I was stand on Memorial Day run was a non-profit venture where, like I said, there were seven groups, um, among them uh, Project Hospitality, Valley Heart Hospital, Ambulance, uh, Stanton University Hospital, Richmond University Medical Center, and a few others, Meals on Wheels, that we raised money for them. And we did very, very well, as I mentioned. We had over 400 people, and we also had the involvement of uh, the New Zealand legendary Olympian, Rod Dixon, Uh, The four-time Boston-New York Marathon winner, Bill Rogers. The former world record holder, Indoors in the Mile, Eamon Coughlin, who was living in Ireland and did it. And by the way, Rod did it in New Zealand, which is pretty cool.
0: That's so cool. It's a very positive uh, way of taking a challenging situation and making the best of it and expanding your community beyond Staten Island, which is really cool. So how does motivation and discipline Come into play during a time like this for athletes?
3: That is an excellent question. Most runners tend to be very impatient with their racing. You know, um, and, you know some people sometimes, even when they start running, they'll run for like three weeks and be like, wow, you know, I'm ready to race. And I, unfortunately, I believe 95% of the time that's not the case. Many runners get injured, burnt out, or turned off from the sport. Because, uh, you know, my own opinion in, my, in the years I've been around, they do too much too soon. And they're really looking for that instant gratification kind of stuff. But, you know, if you study the careers of some runners, like especially Bill Rogers, who did a four-year build-up, you know, where he did trial and error before he finally achieved his marathon greatness. It's not that he rolled out of bed after one month of running and did it. He had a lot of failures before he had successes as did Rod Dixon and all these others. And talking with some of the runners that are uh, currently some of our best right now um, over the past few months, some of the Olympians like um, Courtney Freericks, Matt Sensowitz Jr., and a few others, they're in the coaches right now who basically say, just keep on training, keep it consistent, keep building your endurance. You can never lose in running if you continue to keep building your endurance
0: and that's where you know your motivation comes into play right like your why why you're doing all of this and it's funny that you mentioned bill rogers because i remember years ago he was on staten island signing books uh right. his memoir right marathon man i think it's called don't quote that's me that's right yeah but he signed the inside cover of my book and he wrote let's run forever and sometimes I actually open up the book and look at it just to kind of get me motivated for that run. So
3: that's cool. And you know, uh, you you can't ask. He 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 was a very tough, ferocious competitor. When the gun went off, um, he was a champion. He was driven. But when the gun, when the race was over, or even before the race, you couldn't find a more nice, inclusive, encouraging guy to encourage people to get out there. And that that's what he does now. You know, he really encourages people to get out, exercise, work out.
0: Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up today?
3: Uh, talking to some people in the medical community, they all pretty much say that, you know, with the COVID going on and the possible, uh, the second wave, as they call it, possibly coming, you know, that they all say if you take care of yourself, sleep good, eat right, and get a little working out in, you're increasing your odds of staying away from it. Nothing is a guarantee, of course, but then again, life is a series of odds. And genetics, without a doubt, takes a play in it, but so does you increasing your odds to try to stay out of, you know, the uh, sights of this terrible, terrible pandemic. You know, I would advise people, especially whether are getting really good out, if you do start working out, do it gradually, especially if you haven't done it, try to get the okay from a doctor first that you're physically cleared to do it and just go very, very easy. Uh, Bill Welsh, many years ago, the legendary Staten Islander, who's 91 years old, still gets out, does a half mile, mile every day with his walker. You know, he's been running since, I would say, the 1940s. You know, Bill used to say, you know, when you start, try the talk test. The talk test means that you start with a 10-minute jog walk. If you're able to talk, you're doing fine. If you're not able to talk, you are training too hard. And you don't want to train too hard too early.
0: I'm very inspired after this conversation. I think when we hang up, (laughs) I'm going to go for a run. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you very much.
3: All right. Thank you, Patricia. Stay safe, stay
0: healthy. Like countless other industries, real estate transactions were ground to a halt when New York was forced to hit pause to slow the spread of coronavirus. For Tom Crimmins, owner of Tom Crimmins Realty, selling homes presented challenges without face-to-face interaction to help drive deals.
3: We were unemployed
1: in, in essence. There was the, the attempts at virtual real estate and showing homes, but nobody's gonna make the biggest investment in their life through looking at a video.
0: When restrictions were eased, the market came roaring back on Staten Island, in part, according to Crimmins, because thousands of city dwellers had renewed interest in the suburbs.
1: For three months, they saw, oh my God, I don't have a backyard Um, in this congested building, and I need my space. It is busy, 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 beyond what I thought it would be. It's better than it was prior to, to the pandemic.
0: His advice for those looking to move to the island Take advantage of historically low interest rates and contact realtors who are experts in the neighborhoods you want to call home. And finally, in case you missed it, in our last edition of On SI, we spoke to Mid-Island moms Allison Riley and Lindsay Ramasa, who founded the Essential Heroes Project, a group using social media to spread gratitude for health care and essential workers in Richmond County and beyond. I think everybody's waiting for this to be over, right? And you want to say like, oh, we already just get back to normal. But I think we're hoping to create a legacy that takes all of those everyday heroes that aren't the singers, the actresses, all these people that we praise and reflecting on in these times, our heroes changed as a culture, as a society, the importance of the people that keep our everyday lives going. And if we just spark a sense of gratitude, it's kind of like a pay it forward. You know, you say thank you to one person, then they want to say thank you to the next person and just bring back that sense of community that is so apparent here on Staten Island. That'll do it for this edition of OnSI. Please check out our website at onsi.nyc.org where you can find these stories and others from across Staten Island. A thank you to Tanisha Smith-Franks, Jeff Benjamin, and Tom Crimmins. On behalf of the entire team, I'm Patty Murphy. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next month with another edition of On SI. Be well.
3: Hello, I'm Alison Miller, the executive director of On SI, NYC. Our Board of Directors and I thank you for listening to this edition of On SI. Our mission is to tell local stories and raise awareness of the people and places that make Staten Island special. We strive to be a resource for the half a million people that call our neighborhoods home. On features stories that matter to locals. If you have a story you think should be told, share it with us by emailing stories at
2: onsi.nyc. Take care and see you on SI.